I'm Jennifer Dysinger. You may know who I am, I don't know, but I'm from Bountiful Blessings Farm. I'm married to Edwin Dysinger, farmer, and we've been farming there for 10 years. And this is our 11th, actually. So um, I served overseas for 16 years in Africa and Arabia. And before I went there, I met Lynn in Loma Linda, the two of them. And Lynn is a good friend of, her family is a good friend of my husband's family. They lived in the same area. So Lynn Howe is the wife of Tim, who was just speaking. And she's in, she moved to Maine, and we moved to Africa. and I mean, to Africa and Arabia. And so we met up again, but we were in a mother's group together when she had her son, Paul, and then I gave birth to my first child, Evangeline, and we were in the same group, studying God's ways of raising children. So I just want to introduce Lynn that way to you, that we go way back together, and her chil three children are married, and my three children are married. <laughs> okay, and I have six grandchildren. And how many do you have? Two. Two. So we're very blessed. And Sherry is going to join us with the pressure canning part. She's nursing her baby, um, Hudson. So she'll be joining us later. And she's a neighbor of ours and was serving at Wildwood with her husband, Sherry Nuro. So we, we're, we're sharing our experiences. So I want Linda to, to go ahead. And we can maybe just share this scripture to begin with and have prayer. This is speaking about the Proverbs 31 woman. And for all you men that are here, we're really excited that you, I met one of, one of your wives and she says, well, I'm handling the first aid class, my husband's in your class, and you need a family to do preservation of food, <laughs> okay? But this is the woman's thoughts on her. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. Like when we get bulk items, often we're getting it from different locations, right? She rises also while it is yet night and gives meat to her household. And we were thinking that she's not afraid of the winter. Okay? Well, good morning. I'm delighted to be here. This is a really special opportunity for us. I wanted to tell you a little bit about how I got involved with canning because I think it's sometimes easy for someone to be in your position sitting in a chair and to look up at Jennifer and I and think that we are probably born reading Betty Crocker cookbooks. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just wanted to give you a real honest um, telling of kind of my story. Um, I grew up on a farm. I grew up in Central California, and I was a total tomboy. And my dad was a doctor, but we also had a large farm. He grew oranges and avocados and olives. And he, I loved horses. I had a whole stack of horses. So I learned to ride and train and do all those things, and that was my life. I do, couldn't have cared anything about cooking. So then I went to college, went to graduate school, and at, right at that time my sister went through a horribly painful divorce, needed to go back to school, so I took care of her children. So instead of going out to get a job after finishing my master's, I, about the same time we got to know each other, I took care of my sister's three children. I, had, I was the youngest. I had never taken care of children, never cooked a day in my life. The only supper I knew how to make was a tomato sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and so right about the same time, I was going to the Campus Hill Church in Loma Linda, and I met an old college friend, my husband now, Tim Howe, and we spoke, and I told him what I was doing, and he said, he said, I'll come up and have supper with you. 
So he would ride his bike up the hill, and I, he'd say, what are we having for supper? And I'd say, oh, tomato sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> and after several suppers of tomato sandwiches, he said, would you like to learn to cook? <laughs> and I said, you know, I would. And so he taught me how to make raisin bread, and he taught me how to make applesauce. Because he had grew up in a family of three boys, so they had, he had had to learn all those things. There were no sisters. And so, um, we, so we, he, and so we made applesauce, and I had, I mean, here's all this beautiful stuff. I had nothing. I made applesauce using a blender. And so I just want to encourage you that you may be someday in a place where you have no equipment. It's still possible to do all these things with almost nothing. And the other thing I wanted to encourage you is that sometimes it may seem like life is dark and there's a lot of pain or there may be a lot of challenges. You know, we homeschooled our boys till they went to college and raising three highly energetic boys it's a big challenge. Some days it's extraordinarily humbling. And you know that there's like things you can't know the answer to and you desperately need help. And what I have really learned in my life, you know, definitely when Tim came into my life and brought so much joy and happiness and that knowledge and understanding about cooking is that God can answer prayers. And he can help us even when we don't see the light going forward. And he can give us answers when we don't can't see. And so if this all seems challenging or difficult, I just, I just want to encourage you, whatever the challenge you're facing, don't hesitate to ask God for help. Because his angels are there. They want to love yeah. you, to help you, to encourage you on your way to heaven. So I just wanted to have a quick prayer. Dearest Father in heaven, I just ask you be with each of us here today. And Father, help us to realize right deep down in our hearts how much you love us, how much you want to help us, how ready you are to help us um, when we come into challenges, how you're ready to bring light and joy and love, even in our most painful of times. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So when Jennifer and I were talking about this, my, when she first talked to me about it, we do make vast amounts of applesauce, as Tim referenced. So I could almost make applesauce in my sleep, but not quite. <laughs> but um, I thought, well, we could kind of do it. This is how you do it. And you, you, know, you do this, and you do this, and you do this. But I thought, you know, you probably, many of you have done a lot of canning and food preservation, and probably the most beneficial thing we could do is really share what we have found to be very useful and our own personal experience. And when Jennifer and I talked about that, it seemed so we kind of split it up. So we thought, well, I would share with you about applesauce, because <laughs> that is something you know we have done a lot of. So <clears throat> when and, we- And Lynn does that in a, a maple syrup boiler. And you can do, we do that on the farm too. And you can do like, some hold. How many does yours hold? Our, we, have a, we make maple syrup in the spring. And so in the fall, we use our maple syrup can. And we, we build a brick um, fire base for it out of brick that we reuse each year. And then we put a, a large can, a pan, and we, it holds 126 quarts. Oh, wow. 
So we put a fire, we build all the wood underneath it, and from um, when we light the match to when you pull the jars out, it's 45 minutes. So it's really fast. It's a very fast way to can. That's a water bathing method. A water bathing method. And this is our water bath steamer, actually. We, we moved from, I want to say that I'm also a daughter, I'm a daughter of two doctors. And my mother did not think cooking was a skill that you really needed to learn. <laughs> it was interesting. But she found out that when she got married, she also didn't know how to make things because she was not she was used to playing music and different things her mother allowed her yes. to do and didn't cook so she found out there were things she didn't know but it was um, I became a Seventh-day Adventist and was so thrilled to learn these things baking bread canning preserving I think it's kind of in our hearts to take care of the food so yes. anyway, that's, this is the steam canner, which is a little different because the, the jars sit on top of the steam. So you're not dealing with trying to pull them out of hot water. Right. But whichever method you use, like in our, in our case when we have the bottles in the big maple syrup pan, they're not sitting directly on top of the pan. If you had jars sitting either here or in a, like in our case, a big pan over a fire, you have to have something to keep them off or else they would break from the heat. But with this, you know, I, I have a real heart for trying to explain things. So maybe you're off in some foreign country and you don't have anything available. My husband has made something similar to this just out of a piece of wood and just putting some holes in it so that the heat and, you know, can go back and forth. So anything, I've talked to people who have used cardboard. You can use just anything that's going to keep your jars off the bottom of the pan so that they're not subjected to that heat. Right. So basically if you just put, put whatever you have in here and then your jars fill this up with jars and then when we do it, Jennifer and I were talking, we, um, we will fill the applesauce. We will of course use our Victoria strainer to make the applesauce cook the apples, cook the apples till they're nice and soft. And oh, I wanted to talk to you about when you're choosing apples or any sort of fruit. You know, sometimes you'll go to a, you'll have a friend who will have some apples on their tree and they're not using them. And sometimes the outside the apples will look dreadful. But sometimes if you cut them open, they're actually quite good. So if you have that opportunity, I think those are golden opportunities because those are often organic apples. You know, and so that's always a great thing. To, so chop, you know, chop your apple. And we usually don't peel our apples because we buy apples in such large quantities. We're able to get organic ones very cheaply because we help a lot of families make applesauce. That's great. Um, so that's another thing you might consider is going together with friends and, and buying apples together from an apple grower because if you will purchase in large amounts, just like anything we buy, bulk foods, you can buy bulk fruit. And when you buy bulk fruit, it comes way down in price. I pay a very small fraction of price for ap organic apples. And if you live near orchards, you could go pick. Right. Or sometimes you could drops. pick the drops yeah. really inexpensively. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking that canning probably started, yes. Could you pick 
things up when you talk about the deficiency Yeah. Yes, yes. All right. So how many of you have never canned? <laughs> okay, there are more of you who have canned than those who haven't. Yes. So this is what we pick the, the jar out of the hot water so that we don't burn our hands and it takes a good grip keeps a grip on it. So, so this is works. another, uh, these are some friends that we have huge value for. This funnel is what I do all my applesauce with and without it, it would be a sad day. <laughs> because after, you know, you have all these cooked apples and then you put them through your, we have, what I have found is actually help, it's helpful to have a, several large kettles because after you put them through here, then they need to be in another large container. And then you ladle them from that container into your jars. OK, this is actually separating the skins and the seeds from the apple. Who has used this kind of a? OK, so a lot of you haven't. So your cooked apples. So this is a project not for an afternoon. It's really a project for the day. Because once you get this really dirty, I mean, it's, it's hard to clean out the screen and just yeah. start again for another few hours. So you want to get enough people that can help you or, or your husband, you know, or your wife. You can just, you can do it with two, but it's, it's not easy at all to do with one yeah. person. That's really true. <laughs> so it's make it a fun time. Invite somebody over who wants to learn, too. It's, it's really enjoyable. Yeah. They're not expensive, and they're also nice because they have attachments. You can do pumpkin, berries, tomatoes, grapes. We do our That's grapes. Right. Yeah. So we take grapes and freeze our fresh grape juice. Right. So it's really worth it. It's yeah. Your it is. It's fantastic. And with water bathing, you're going to do acid. You notice all of these were fruits we're talking about. They're having acidic that value that is enabling us to use just water and not pressure. So, yeah. I think online is the easiest. We live near an Amish community that actually sells these. Yeah, it's about an hour from us. But you, I would say online. It's the Victorio strainer. Okay. And you're going to um, crank this with a handle, and out comes. So you're going to use quite a few vessels. One's going to catch the apples. One's going to catch the residue from the and the seed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's okay. We'll stick together. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, thanks. I'd like to go back to the water baths for a mm -hmm. moment. Yes. Traditionally, you have to cover your jars with yes. that hot water, but you mentioned you were just using a little bit of water in the bottom. Could you explain the difference in that? Yes. Um, so you can, you can steam something even if it's not, as long as there's enough where it won't go dry. Okay? So we just do it so it's underneath this. It's just to the top maybe right here. And it'll last for a couple, couple different canning loads. This canner I really like because it holds eight quarts. The traditional ones hold seven. And it also has an um, elevation gauge here that tells you when you are at the right elevation for starting to count your, um, 
minutes. Mm -hmm. So some people at, you know, steam them for 20 minutes, some people for 25, some for 30. I think it's, I learned 20 when I first started, but we at the farm sometimes do 30 just to be sure, you know, just to make sure it's taken, you know, that it's gonna boil all the way through. And probably even if you let your jars cool a little, you'd want to do it. So you're gonna be waiting until the needle gets to the right one. If you don't, if you don't have this gauge, you don't need it. I, this is just recent that we got this. You're just going to wait till the steam comes out of the side of the canner. This one has little holes in the lid. And then you start the timing. Then you start the timing after it all comes to a boil. So when it starts steaming and coming out, then it's also hot, the jars. Yes? So this is actually a steamer, not like the traditional ceramic this is a steam canner. This is a steam canner. We find it so much easier when you have the water bath and you're taking out your jars, the change of temperature can actually bring a crack in your jars. And it's a real mess to get an applesauce all in the middle of all of this. So I would always have to take them out and in just gently getting it used to the temperature of the air and then, and then bringing it out. So we had a lot more breaks with our jars do, using the water bath than the steamer. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who, I think this is a fabulous method. But for those of you who would, for every reason, for maybe you don't have the sort of a kettle or you're not able to use one, if you want to use the water bath method, then the water does need to cover the top of the jar. And what I have found to be really helpful is like what we do, you know, we'll do, sometimes we've done as many as 300 quarts in a day, but that's like starting at five and we're finished by two, so it's not too bad. But um, you cover them up, but I'll, I'll, often I'll have more than, you know, that many, so I maybe have like, 25 quarts or whatever that I'll do inside in the house. And so what I do is I'll put them in when the water's not too hot and then heat the water up. And then of course you start the water, you start your timing when it's 20 minutes and then you you let them go till they pull them out when it's 20 minutes. But when you pull these out and put them on something like this, put them on a, a piece of cloth on your counter, and then I will take some of that hot water out, put it in my sink, and add some cold water. Because otherwise, if you put your, even if the, your applesauce is hot, if you put that into really hot water, it'll crack it. So you have to pull some of that super hot boiling water out. I'll usually do two or three containers. Put that cold, for the second batch, put the cold water back in, and so then you've moderated your temperature so it's going to be safe to put the jars back inside. Yeah, I think that's where I was trying to dip it, was trying to get mm -hmm. them in, making sure I wouldn't crack them. Right. So that's, you always have to take water out and add. That's yeah. very good. Yeah. Are you yeah. saying with the steamer you're doing that? You're no, doing just the water bath. Just for the water bath. The water bath, the water bath you've got a kettle full of water. And it's so hot after you're taking your, you were going to get, you already have new jars ready to go in, but they will crack if you put them in there. You've got to take, you've got to take part of the, half of the water out of that. 
The steamer, you don't have to concern yourself with that so at all. There is a difference between a water bath and a steamer. Yes, the goal is the exact same thing. The yes. jars are prepared the same way. It's just how you're heating it. Ordinary pot can be a water bath. Yes, yes, as long as it's deep enough, deep enough. to cover your jars. And, and it we has have a suspension underneath. Yes. Right. yes, something that's so it's like off the bottom. For the time equivalent yes. for the bar yes. bath and the steamer. Yes. 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 We, we, yes. We but we use about 20 minutes very much. Um, I was I was sharing that I prefer the steam because it's a little bit faster and you faster meaning you don't have to take water out and reheat it it's not as heavy to deal with a huge pot of water and all the jars so I was just going to show you what they come with these canners have something like this and this is what you would use for a water bath or the wood that you put drill holes in but you're going to set it down. This is what it looks like if you buy something for a water bath. The bottom. Can you give us an approximate cost on the steamers? I would say they're probably about fifty dollars. I think. Mm -hmm. The this one says it's forty-eight for this Victoria strainer. Forty-nine. Forty-nine. You can see that. Okay. Yes. You could use any kind of food in there, or is it just Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you my son's favorite food is she did tomato sandwiches for supper. We did peanut butter and applesauce. <laughs> so applesauce is a staple in our family, and I thought it would be really nice for the girl who marries Paul because he likes popcorn and peanut butter and applesauce on bread. Those aren't hard, are they? Yeah, we just have to have applesauce. And I made that overseas out of anything I could find. If they didn't have apples in Arabia, I would find quince apples. So you can can things out of, you can make applesauce without apples, <laughs> you know? So we, you just sweeten it with a sweetener that you appreciate as a family, and you can add cardamom or coriander. Or if you want to add flavor, if it doesn't have it, you can add some of those herbs that are really nice. In Africa, we, we cook green uh, mangoes. Yeah. To make a sauce. <laughs> yeah. You had another question? Yes. I No, you can use the same one. That's exactly how they are standard for either. Mm -hmm. You can also, of course, make beautiful pear sauce mm -hmm. and peach sauce and apricot sauce. All of those things are fantastic. I just, when we lived in California, we had more variety. But now we're in Maine, it's berries and apples. <laughs> and traditionally, women use their seconds, things that you, yes. this is the way to do it. You can make your jams. Yes. We started making berry syrup on the farm because we had so much rain on our strawberries that to pick them off, they were waterlogged, and you couldn't sell them. So it was like, I'm talking about steady rain for days, and strawberries cannot handle that. So you pick them right then, because they're not spoiled, and freeze them until you have the time to put them up and can them. So that's how we started strawberry syrup and strawberry jam. They're improved products. They sell for more, but it wasn't our intention. God helps us use what we have and make something better, right, that we can use. Yeah. Did you want to say anything more just, um, just on the whole issue of why to can, um, I think 
obviously it enables you to use what you have from the garden. But I think sometimes um, you'll have an opportunity to go to an orchard or a, your CSA will give you a lot of extra squash or what have you. Just any time we have an abundance of something, um, and when we talk about the dehydrator, we'll t I'll talk to you about that some more. I was just going to say, the one amazing thing about having a lot of something in your cupboard, whether it's applesauce or pear sauce or whatever, you never know who's going to walk through your door. You never know who's going to come and needs you some love and to be part of your family. And I think it really opens the door to sharing your, expanding your family walls and incorporating more people in your home to have that food in the cupboard. Because sometimes I'll be feeding 30 people, and then I'll have 15 more people walk through the door. And if I didn't have all those jars of applesauce in my cupboard, it would be stressful. But knowing that it's there, it's all right. I want to introduce you to Sherry. Sherry Nero is a mom of two little boys. And she was just taking care of Hudson. And we're Thank you, Sherry, for coming. She is the one. I don't usually pressure can, but... She does pressure can, and she does some interesting things with pressure canning, and you need them primarily for vegetables. Okay? Can we share a little story? Um, I was very intimidated by canning. <laughs> Terrified of canning, actually. My mom canned when we were little pears and apples, so I'd help my mom as a child, but... Um, when I was married and was kind of thinking about food preservation, it was just overwhelming and I didn't think that I could do it. And um, we, uh, around 2007, I started dabbling with canning and a neighbor actually offered to walk me through the process. So if you have someone that can can, <laughs> it's really nice to do it the first time with someone, if you can. If not, just try it. Even if you do two jars, one jar, just try it. Um, once you've actually done it, it's not that bad. Um, it sounds worse than it is. <laughs> and um, however, my approach to canning changed a lot in 2011. We were living in Georgia, northern Georgia, and in April 2011, some of you might be aware of this. We had five tornadoes come through in one day. It was it was bad. People died, um, and the power went out. <laughs> we didn't have water. I lost an upright freezer full of blueberries and other things. Um, most of the things in my chest freezer gone, and. Suddenly, I saw canning in a completely different light. <laughs> I was like, if I had canned that, yes. it would be okay. We'd still have all our food. And suddenly, I realized the importance of canning. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big motivator to really get canning. <laughs> so from then on, I started canning a lot more. And I was determined to hoard up a little pantry of canned goods just in case, because I didn't want to lose so much food again. Um, you know, I have encountered sometimes, and I've struggled with this myself, 
sometimes I thought, well, maybe it's wrong. You know, you read sometimes quotes about hoarding food in the last days. You know, maybe that's not so good. However, one, one thing I realized when I thought through that was um, in those days, pretty much everyone had their garden and it was normal. It was not unusual. It was normal to have enough food in your house for one to two years because what if a crop failed? You know, you want to carry through to the next crop. So that was normal. So um, that's something to bear in mind. It's, I call it my happy squirrel feeling <laughs> when I have all these jars and buckets stashed away in my nest. <laughs> you just, as they said, it's, it's a lot of peace of mind knowing that if there's an ice storm, if a tornado comes through, you have something for your family. But most importantly, what about your neighbors? Um, you know, most people don't have food for more than half a week, more than a week. People have to go to the grocery stores um, often. So what are your neighbors going to eat? If you can help them with some food, you'll build a lot of relationships in your neighborhood. Um, <clears throat> so just briefly, a plug for the Victoria steam cleaner. <laughs> supposed to be talking about pressure canning, but the steam canner is really nice. We don't have a lot of water where we are, and it saves on a lot of water. It's quicker, and you use less gas on your stove or power if you're canning. Okay, so um, coming to pressure canning, my husband actually bought me a pressure canner. I was terrified of it. Yeah. I was like, what if it explodes? <laughs> I'll blow up the house. <laughs> and I had to really build up my courage to use it. This is, I use a different kind than this one. I have the Presto, which has the, the seal, the rubber ring. Um, but when I eventually built up my courage to do the first batch, I was hooked. Um, and especially the main reason I use it is for dry beans, canning dry beans. I never remember to soak beans. And when I want beans, they're not soaked and they take forever in the crock pot. So, but with the pressure canner, I just keep doing batches of dry beans and I just stash them away in the pantry. And then I've got beans anytime ready to go. I'm um, so amazed at this. I've never heard of anything like this, but she has them to take to camp meetings on the road. <laughs> You're not having to buy the canned tin beans, you know. I just thought it was mm. amazing to me. And she does different kinds mm. all together, so she has variety. Yeah. Meaning each jar is a different kind. So yeah. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. And my toddler loves them. He'll eat them straight out of the jar. <laughs> um, so basically, just quickly, always remember to work with clean jars. If you have a dishwasher, that's great. If you don't, wash them well, sterilize them as far as possible. And your lids as well, you want to make sure they're clean, washed in soapy water and um, you know, heated up so that they're clean, sanitary. You want to make sure all your work environment is quite sanitary when, you, when you're canning. Sherry, what did you mean by mm -hmm. sterilize? Because people might think you need to boil them. You can, you can. Um, I do the shortcut. I don't have a dishwasher, so I make sure my jars are very thoroughly washed in soapy hot water 
I rinse them in hot water and then I put them in my oven actually at 200 to 250 and I leave them there for at least half an hour. And so I take them out hot, <laughs> burn lots of fingers, but I take them out hot and then I know my jars are ready to go. Yeah, so I just put them in the oven and you just, as you can, and you just keep putting new ones back in so they, they keep staying hot. Cause I don't have space to boil jars and you have to wait for them to boil. And so I, that's, that's what I've been doing. One more time in the oven for how long? Uh, at least 30 minutes I do. Um, at 200, 250 Fahrenheit, somewhere around there. No, I'd like to say Sherry mm -hmm. is, is very careful, and I think that's a great trait. Paranoid. A lot of us, Pam and I, Pam and I wash our jars in, in hot water and rinse them in hot water, and then we put the applesauce in, and then we go ahead and can mm -hmm. it. And it's going to come to a boil completely. But I do use that method for hot packing things, mm -hmm. and hot, pack, hot packing for different things. Dishwasher, is that okay? Yeah. Yeah, you have a sanitized cycle on the dishwasher. Right. Yeah. So, okay, basically the beans, to pressure can the beans, um, it's very economical to do your beans like this. Just select whatever beans you want to use. Uh, the normal pressure canners, most of them take, at least mine, I'll talk about mine. Mine takes seven quarts or 20 pints uh, double-decked. So I'll use one of these racks. If I'm doing pints, I'll put t uh, 10 pints down and separate the top layer with a rack and 10 pints on top. So if you're doing quarts, I'll measure one cup of dry beans into each quart jar, fill it up with boiling water, and then I let them soak overnight. One cup of dry beans, one cup of dry beans per quart jar, <coughs> fill it up with boiling water and let it soak overnight. I actually let the jars soak like this on the counter because they, the beans swell <laughs> from experience. If you do this, <laughs> they all get stuck at the bottom. <laughs> so it's easier if they're like that. And then um, the next morning, um, rinse them three times thoroughly in clean water put them back in the jars, and then I add fast boiling water, so like really hot water. I pour in hot water into each jar and a teaspoon of salt with the beans. So How much water? How much water? just fill the jar. Yeah, just fill up the jar. So you've got your rinsed beans in your clean jar, and you just fill up the jar with very hot boiling water. Add a teaspoon of salt. How high do you fill it up? I usually just do it to the neck. One cup of dry beans. Dry so beans. I start the night before with one cup of dry beans and then soak them in, in the jars with boiling water. And then the next morning, rinse them three times and then put boiling water back in with a teaspoon of salt. And then you take your heated lids, put them on the jars, close your jars up finger tight, just finger tight, and then pop them in the pressure canner. I'll come to you now. And at our altitude, it's um, 10 pounds for 90 minutes. So just check the blue, the, your local altitude and adjust. Um, yes? I'm just wondering, with the soaking overnight, is there any reason why it has to be with boiling water? Because I soak beans all the time when I just cook them on the stove. Right. Just overnight, you know, 
there's, I don't have a reason. I'm paranoid. <laughs> so I use boiling water, <laughs> kill something. <laughs> I, I would read that because the reason you use the boiling water is because it um, has an effect on the, the part of the, the bean. Like in restaurants, for instance, Mexican, a Mexican restaurant guy told me that any time he takes his beans out and rinses them, he, he uses hot water because you change the temperature too many times, and then the beans are tough and they don't get done as fast. Okay. So if you did use boiling water, it would be a difference of how long you cook the pressure yeah. cooker and everything else. So, you know, speed that process up by yeah. using the boiling water. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. Do you have these directions written down anywhere on the website or anything like that about, you know, canning food? I do not have the beans. Instructions, no. There are directions in a cookbook that's called Of This You May Freely Eat. Unusual canning ideas. Go to that page and you'll learn how to do. Of These You May Freely Eat by Jan Racker. Of These Ye May Freely Eat. That's the name of the book. Joanne, R A C H O R is her last name. So just, um, just quickly, I just want to say something. To close, about the pressure canner, um, the pressure canner I have also has a gauge and you're supposed to go to like your local extension office and get the gauge regulated every year to make sure it's accurate. Um, however, I prefer to use a weight. Now the Presto canner I have is a little different and I have a 10 pound weight which is what we needed our altitude. Why I usually go by the weight, I do watch the gauge, but I, I like the weight because while I'm working around the house, I can listen to it because it rocks, you know, rocks back and forth. So it has a little clicking sound and I can tell if it's too hot or getting too cold just by the sound. So I, otherwise I feel tied to the kitchen <laughs> to make sure it doesn't explode. <laughs> But otherwise, I can just listen while I'm working. And you do four to minutes, is that? 90. 90 minutes at 10 pounds for our altitude. Just check your altitude. One night? 90. So Nine one, one hour, one and a half hour. Uh, yeah, one and a half hours. <laughs> we do still have to cover dehydration yeah. and vacuum packing. But um, if you want to stay longer, did you want to ask one thing? There's a line on the pressure canner. Just look at your book. I just go by whatever the pressure canner book says, and I put that much water in according to the... No, not when you're pressure canning. That was important to share. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Lynn's going to share about dehydrating which is a nice kind of preservation. Can I just say one thing real quick? Yes. For anybody that, that like canning is a totally new thing, there's probably plenty of books out there, but the ball book of canning, Okay. Um, I think it came from the ball jars. You know, they've had them forever, and they have new updates all the time. But that's a great resource. Um, it has everything you need, probably need to know about. Thank you. I just have a question. How about the vegetable? How do we can vegetable? Well, I would use use the book. They'll tell you how yeah. for each different kind of vegetable. Mm -hmm. 
in your pressure canner. They'll have recipes. You can actually get on YouTube, too, and figure out. They have ways to show you all the little details, but we're kind of wanting, because we're covering a lot, we want to cover our experiences and inspire you to do this. One more yeah. question. Uh, steaming, we do for fruits, not for vegetables. Like That's right. That's right. For canning, we of vegetables, we'd use the pressure canner. Okay. Yeah, I'm any acidic tomatoes are actually a fruit, but they have enough acid in them to to water bath them. Those are the two things I really do: is tomato sauce and applesauce or pear sauce. Yeah. Um, absolutely, and the, another fabulous resource that we have available now is what's available on internet. And the what's available now for explaining things very well is remarkable. So there's a wealth of information out there on the computer and in books. Everything you could hope to need for canning. Um, I just wanted to make sure we had explained this because I think we've been trying to go quickly. That in the case of canning, when you're absolutely, I, I also run my jars through my dishwasher, and then I, I do, and I do put these in a kettle, and in talking to Jennifer, I always actually brought mine up to a boil, but I was talking to Jennifer, and she was saying that, um, it was her understanding that if you just brought them up close to a boil, that that was actually better, because then this rubber ring around the edge doesn't get hard, and if you're gonna try and reuse the lids, which I do as well, um, then you're gonna have a longer life on the inside of that rubber lid. So you bring these lids it up. It softens the rubber ring to get it just almost right. to a boil. Just You can tell before it starts boiling, just See turn that. off the heat. Yes, Mom? So the I did more to mention the tomatoes. It used to be that you could do the tomatoes in a fresh in an ordinary way. But now they have grown tomatoes that are much less acidic. Okay, thank you very much. What you can do, though, is put lemon juice in. Is that what you were going to say, Mom? About a teaspoon per jar. Right. You know, so after you have this in your hot water, your lids, you know, no matter what you're doing with which, which method, you have to get your lid from that water onto your jar. And for years and years, I used two forks. <laughs> I would grab, I would hold my lid carefully between two forks pick and it out of the pick hot it water. out of the hot water and lift it on, put it on. And that's okay for you, like your first 60. But when you're going over 100, it's like, oh, <laughs> like you know, you're holding on. But we, one of my huge blessings these last few years is we've had a lot of families come and can with us. And one is um, Barry's violin teacher. She, um, they're Jewish, and they come and can, and it's been the most wonderful opportunity for great conversations, spiritual conversations. We pray together, and um, she gave me this most wonderful gift of a magnet, and it's transformed my life. So <laughs> now, instead of grappling with two forks, I just put it in into the water and plunk it down. It's wonderful. <laughs> we love that. We love that. So I just wanted to make sure. So this, you know, these, this is for the jars. 
for putting the lids on top of the jars. There's two different kinds of lids. You have one where the ring, the rubber ring and the um, threads are all on one lid. And this one, there's a ring and it's separate for the seal. Okay, so there's two different kinds. Um, Pam taught me about these. She likes them because she can use them twice. She likes to use them twice. Um, we got this at a... You can get these at Walmart? Yeah. Okay, we had a, a man that actually sells these glass. in our town. Yeah, there's a glass stick. Okay. Where do you... No, these have to be metal if you're going to seal with these. These come from people that sh um, sell canning equipment, which is a bee man, actually, where we are. But, um, yeah, you, can, you probably can get them online, too, yeah. canning lids. Okay. Yeah, these are pretty generally available. These are wonderful. I want to give her an opportunity. You know, there's going to be a time we don't have electricity when you're going to, well, we can make dehydrators that don't we use electricity. But I want um, Lynn to share how they're doing that at their home, how they're preserving things yeah. without. So we, we have large vegetable gardens at our home. And one thing that I've always struggled with is maybe you have a few extra eggplants or a few extra squash, too many to utilize for your cooking. And I have to be honest and tell you that sometimes they just would go to the compost pile because I didn't have anything to utilize them for that I could, you know, think. Anyway, so a friend introduced me to dehydrating. Mm -hmm. And with dehydrating, what's really fabulous about it is you don't have to fill this all up with the same vegetable. You can put different things in it. And so you can, you, whatever it is you need to use up, you can just slice it and put it on. And we'd use, we put, I used to make a lot of salsa and a lot of tomato, canned tomatoes, because I still love tomatoes. <laughs> but now we do it all dried. And dried tomatoes has absolutely revolutionized my uh, food preservation. We get Juliet like a Roma tomato that's kind of thick, and you cut it in across and then across so it kind of opens up like a flower and lies flat on your dehydrator tray. And we will do, you know, you figure we, we can get a tremendous amount of tomatoes stored as dried tomatoes in just a quart jar. So it makes a super efficient way to store your things. And the thing that with us studying about it is they really preserve the nutri nutrients. So when you dry your tomatoes, if you particularly if you try and dry them at not too high a temperature, you have really preserved your nutrients. And the thing that's fabulous from a cook's perspective is the flavor is amazing. And so when you have all these tomatoes, you need tomato sauce. You just take your jar, shake a few in your blender, powderize them, add some water, and you have a tomato sauce that will <coughs> knock your socks off. You know, we make vegan pizzas, and if you have a, a tomato sauce with garlics, a few olives and onions, it has so much flavor you'll never think about not having cheese. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to cook that. You just go ahead no. and blend it with cold water? Just blend it with cold water, and it's done. So, and, and then for, any, for soups, for stews, for any sort of pasta salad, um, those dried tomatoes, for me, they're like probably one of my most highly prized items in my pantry. And like if you have basil, if you're growing basil in your garden, or parsley, 
it's wonderful to gr to do it, but the thing that really changed my usage of dried food was learning how to vacuum seal. Because before, I would dry my tomatoes, and after a few months, those gorgeous red tomatoes would be black because they had oxidized. And so what has made the, all the difference for me is learning to vacuum seal them because now my dried tomatoes, or I actually also dry a lot of apples. Dried apples are sensational. But what you have to do is, I have found what has taken it from okay to wonderful is vacuum packing. And so, I'm gonna put this on here. So for vacuum packing, there's several ways to do it. There's one is you buy a very snazzy system. Food Saver makes it with elect electrical pump. That's way too expensive. You didn't even consider that. And then the other option is to use a pump and Have you ever seen anyone seen one of these? Oh, this is a pump and seal. And these are absolutely fantastic. So. This is, and then, this is available online. I'm sure there's available in some stores. Pump and seal. P-U-M-P, pump and seal. N is instead of N, just N. And so all this is, and the wonderful thing about this method is you can actually also reutilize something like a peanut butter jar. Any jar that has a seal on the inside can be reutilized. And so I think for those of us that like to reuse things, that's wonderful. So all you do is you take a thumbs tack and you poke a hole in your lid. Okay? You have a hole. Hold it. So she yeah. poked the thumb tack in. Now she's pulled it out. There's just a little. Now hole. these this tape is made by pump and seal, and you can reuse it. You can like you can put this on and you can use it many many times. So it's not like a one-use, one-time thing. It's a reuse. But several people that I've worked with told me the electrical tape will work as well. So the idea is you take off this one of these pieces. My husband said, you're going to have a hard time getting it off, and he was right. <laughs> kind of hard to disassociate. Anyway, so you, you put this piece of tape and you just take the, Where it is it? yeah, yeah, just like that. on the ends. You have to Do peel you... it off. I should have that? talked him into coming with us. Yeah. What is that? Tape? This is, this is, here, yeah, I've got it. Um, okay, so if you can see, this tiny little piece of, has a, a black section in the center, and you just want to position that black center over your hole. So this is not rocket science. <laughs> and I just press it gently, okay? Then I take my pump and seal, and I just put it down on top, like that. Hold it gently, and this, a few times. And what this does is it pulls the air out of the jar. And then, if you can see at the bottom, there's a little thing. I'm, I'm, but this is sealed. How do you know it's sealed? How do you know it's sealed? Because Listen. Because you 
But if I pull it open, you'll the hear The lid it. is also concave a little? Yeah. So it's an absolutely fantastic way to preserve anything that you dry. So another thing that I do, pump and seal, I do all my nuts because I don't have a large enough freezer to preserve my nuts. So I put all of my nuts into quart jars and I pump and seal them and pull out the air and it preserves them really well so they stay nice and fresh and don't go rancid. Yeah. have a question back here? Yes. 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 Here. One of the questions: uh, all, all long you leave this um, tomatoes in dehydrator. Oh, the dehydrator. Till they're dry. Yeah, and it, you know it depends there's on a, the gauge here on what heat to put it on yeah. for different kinds of fruits and vegetables. So you just follow the gauge. You just turn it to the right heat. I I often leave things just overnight. Yeah. I do too. You just want them to be nice and dry. Can you do it in the oven? I think you can at a low temperature. If you want to crack it open though so the humidity, the humidity go can out. go out. Yeah. The another thing that um, if you do get a dehydrator, I just want to mention two things. One is that um, I thought I need to make sure I tell you how you can do this without electricity. And Mother Earth News has a plan, a diagram of a solar dehydrator that looks fantastic. And it's, it looks very easy to build. So if you're in some place without available electricity, it looked like an outstanding um, home, yeah. build at your own dehydrator. Mother Earth News, Mother Earth News has a, um, yeah. The, uh, another thing that you can do if you do have a dehydrator of this type is that they make like a silicone um, solid sheet and you can actually dry your granola or you can make um, fruit leather. Like we'll take our applesauce and I'll blend up berries in it and I'll spread it on here. And we, we actually take um, applesauce to Sudan okay. where Jennifer and Edwin used to live and we had take it in the form of fruit leather. Oh, because um, Paul and Petra, our son and his wife, they're now in Sudan, really miss applesauce. So we, we will take them like 25 fruit leathers. And that you know, so great. So that's, that's another wonderful thing you can do with the dehydrator. But you can absolutely do almost every conceivable type of vegetable and fruit yeah. in a dehydrator and vacuum pack it. And you will have a very efficient, very nutrient-filled, um, something that you can utilize all year round, and it will never be harmed by a weather problem. So let me ask you a question. If you want them not to be really, really, really dry so that they're like just chips, can you, if they have some moisture left in them, can you vacuum pack them and they'll stay that way? Yes, I think that will extend their life. They say you can even vacuum pack fresh strawberries and put them in your refrigerator, and they will last quite well for two weeks. Because any like any time you can pull the air out of something, you're going to extend its its shelf life. Yes. Yes, I have. I do. I think it's quite good. I don't. I think there's some things that are particularly outstanding. I think of eggplants as being outstanding. I think of peppers as being outstanding. Mm -hmm. 
Um, tomato is definitely super outstanding. And zucchini, I, zucchini is outstanding. Yeah, green. I don't think the green beans. Green beans is good. Corn, sweet corn, is like knock your socks off. You, it so is what, superb. So what we do with our vegetables is make soups in the winter. Yeah. Right? It's already chopped. It's ready to go. Yeah. So the green beans you said were not outstanding. They're, they're yeah. good. I would say maybe a 7 out of 10, but not a 10. But you could put them in no. things that no, no. they wouldn't be noticed as much. Because I thought they get rubbery. Yeah. Yeah. Are they better texture, different texture than freezing? Better texture for what? Than freezing. Than yeah. freezing? I don't have a lot of experience with dried green beans. And usually when I'm using them, I use them like in a curry or in a pot pie. And so I'm, when you're serving it by itself, you want to make sure the texture is just right. So Could it's a little different. Could you say one more time how you, how you cut tomatoes? Oh, sure. So you do the four parts? So if I have a, if a Roma, you know, with a Roma tomato, you, it's long. So I would cut it down length. But she doesn't oh. cut it through. Not all just the way to, to the, the skin. Just to the skin. Then I'll and then I'll swing it around and cut it the other way. So it opens up. That's all it is. That's it. It's still quite thick. It's half of the tomato thick. Right. It works amazingly. Yeah. It's yeah. really great. I don't, I don't know. We are supposed to go till 10.30. And... You have some questions, and we haven't really covered freezing or storing vegetables. Yeah, and you need and to do that. Would you, what would you like to do? Another class. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have questions over the drying? Okay. You know, yeah. You know, I can't speak to that. I know that I have I have four dehydrators at home, and sometimes I'll have all four of them going, and I have one exactly like this. I have never experienced that. Actually, sometimes I will only have four trays in there. But there's open space. In the there's open yeah. space, but off you most of the time I will have all my trays going. Yeah. Can you use this to make potato chips? Yes. 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 Kale chips. Yeah. Lilia? Just a small question about the seal, pumpkin seal. Yes. yes. So you use that little tape only once when you make the hole. Because you said sometimes you take the nuts out of the jar and then you put and reseal it with the same tape, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. That's great, isn't it? I love that. Yeah, I just really think good. it's amazing. It's really good. For What it does is it holds the tape up. When the air is out, it glues it down. Now, how it does that, I can't tell you. But it does do it. <laughs> now, there is another way to do this. This is the, just the top of what they call the, um, the um, this is the one that uses the expensive electrical type. And one other way you can do this is that you can get one of these and you can put it on top of a jar 
and you can use electric brake bleeder <laughs> and you can pull out the air. And my husband really likes to do it that way, but you have to have really strong hands to pull out the air utilizing that method. So I'm just sharing with you absolutely everything I know. Oh, and there's one, there's a third way to do it. And I tried to find these at the, elect at the grocery store, but I couldn't. You may have seen sometimes in the, in the baggy, baggy section of the grocery store, they have some very inexpensive things that cost maybe $5 that pull air out of bags. And they, I have people that I know that have utilized those. So that is the third thing. But these only are like $26. So these are fairly reasonable. Any other questions? You, you pump the first, make a hole, you pump and seal, then cover. Yeah, then cover it with this. You make the hole first. first then you put a little band-aid and you yeah. just put uh -huh. it on top of the hole. If you use one of these, if you use one of these and this, you don't use a hole. It is actually able to pull the air out without making a hole. Mm -hmm. But this, you use the brake bleeder. A brake bleeder? <laughs> it, they cost like $29 at Sears or something like that. And you pull that air out because you're, you're doing this. And you pull that air out, and it pulls the air out from underneath the thing and then seals it down. So anyone is welcome to come and look at these things. Yes? This may be a subject that you don't know, but I'm sure you do because Heather loves grape juice. If you were to can grape juice, could you pressure seal it? Would you water bath it, or would you pressure it? I would just water bath it, steam bath it. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. that's, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, class is over. <laughs> we did bring some, you know, how many of you freeze things? You know, when you don't have a big group and you don't have the time, this is so much faster and it keeps things very nutritious. continue a little bit. Now God did that for us.
Tell me your name again. Delia. Delia. I'm going to just ask you to share that. I have a picture of the people in our home, but it's been so heartwarming. You know, with everything that you said last night about gardening with people, I thought, that's true of Candy, too. That's right. <laughs> because, you know, it's an opportunity of working together with someone else gives you hours of conversation opportunities. We have customers that have asked Pam to teach them how to can, and they've come over and helped, and they take some jars with them. Yes, girls. I don't know. It's around $30. You can, get, you can get something that'll work just as well for about four. Ziploc makes a little pump that you can seal plastic bags with. And if you pick that up and use um, electrical tape instead of these little band-aids, it works just as well, and it's way cheaper. But they're both good. The Ziploc bag, you can buy it at your grocery store. They're, they're bags made by Ziploc that you, freezer bags, that you put this thing right over the, the little hole in the bag and you can seal bags for freezers but you can use that mm, on neat. top of this or you can use it like the pump and seal just get a thumbtack put a hole in the lid put a piece of electrical tape don't push it down really hard just lay it on top of there smooth it a little bit and that little ziplock works fine this will also work with electrical tape yeah and this has a 10-year guarantee the Ziploc doesn't have any guarantee, but it works pretty well. <laughs> uh, the thing that I like to use the best is a brake bleeder. Did you mention that? Yeah. If, if your husband has a, Blake, a brake bleeder, it works great with this, and it'll keep his hands strong. <laughs> it takes longer than the pump and seal, but... It doesn't damage the lid. You don't have to put a hole in the lid. Doesn't matter. That kind can be reused multiple times, and if that little plastic thing wears out, no problem. Get a piece of electrical tape. Thank you, Tim. That doesn't work anyway. It doesn't? No, the power's off. This is battery. Oh, okay. Audio. This, this is by Food Saver. You can find it online. It costs about eight, nine bucks. And they make them for narrow mouth and wide mouth. Food Saver. This is by Food Saver. And if you want to, you can buy the electrical pump for $200. <laughs> Okay, audio burst. You've got it back on. Okay. Yes. Yes, sir. Why do you have it on? We we have not tried freeze drying, but I can tell you that if you vacuum pack what you freeze, it won't get freezer burn, and it stays much nicer.
it, if you if you vacuum pack what you freeze, it works beautifully. The other thing that you can do is you can put fresh strawberries in a jar and vacuum pack them, and they'll keep for two weeks. Yeah, it's really nice. So you can vacuum pack your lettuce too, and it'll keep much longer than if you don't in the refrigerator. How do you vacuum pack in a in a plastic bag? There's two ways that you can vacuum pack in a plastic bag. One, you can buy one, a, a bag that's specially made for vacuum packing. That's one way. The other way you can do it is with pump and seal. It comes with a little plastic straw that you stick in the bag. You put oil underneath the zip so it seals there. You slide the straw in. You vacuum pack that. You pull that out quickly, and that oil seals it beautifully, and then you do the zip. So uh, Pump and Seal has a nice video online if you want to use that method, or you can just buy the Ziploc bag. Okay, what Tim is saying is that you're actually going to freeze this, but you're vacuuming, vacuum packing it before you freeze it right. um, instead of freezing it. Right, you vacuum pack it and then freeze it, and you won't get freezer burn, and it will yeah. keep much longer. Yeah. The... Um, Nutritive quality of food deteriorates even when frozen. If you uh, live on the East Coast and you buy spinach from California, it's lost a third of its nutritive value before it gets here. If you, if you bought it frozen, it was flash, flash frozen in the field in California and then shipped frozen, it will lose about... 10% of its nutritive value, and over a year, it will continue, even though frozen, it will continue to lose nutritive value. And so you don't want to keep fruit frozen for, you know, 10 years and then use it, even if it's vacuum-packed. With canning, you lose more up front, but then you don't lose as much after it's canned. And with drying, if you vacuum-pack dried food, you lose some in the drying process, but then the loss from then on is much slower. But you want to rotate your stock. Uh, you know, you can't keep food forever. So you have a place to actually put the date on your things. Put them on your lids. Put them on your bags. When you vacuum pack your lettuce, what do you do? I don't vacuum pack my lettuce. I eat it, but you can. <laughs> And if there are several ways to do that. Um, you can vacuum pack it in a jar. It works beautifully. Or fresh fruit. You can't put a lot in here, so get a half-gallon jar. That works fine, and it will keep much longer. You can vacuum pack it in a bowl as well with a, one of those lids that uh, you may have seen them there, a silicone lid, and you can vacuum pack that on as well. And then the straw in, and you you seal around that, and they make special lids to do that with as well. I I just eat the lettuce. Uh, you know, it'll be right. Pick it when you want it, and then you don't have. I mean, pick your food fresh. You know, time from garden to table should be minimal, whenever possible. 
That's a funny thing to say in a food preservation class. But we're, we really believe that. Look, you know? we, in Maine, we still have kale that we're eating fresh from the garden. You got to be careful what variety you get. And then for the rest, ours is about gone, not because of the weather, although it's, we've had it down to four above zero. It's gone because we ate it all. <laughs> and we have some in the greenhouse that we're just now uh, starting. But that's an unheated greenhouse. And you can do like Elliot Coleman says, where you have the greenhouse and then the row covers. This year, our kale was a variety that's so hardy, no row covers, and it's done beautifully. Darkabor, D-A-R-K-I-B-O-R. It's, um, you've heard of winterbor, perhaps. It was developed from that. Darkabor. Yeah, D-A-R-K-I-B-O-R. But don't buy it all. We haven't got our seed for next year yet. Oh, we do. Lynn said we do, so go ahead and buy it. Where did you get that from? No, we don't have a booth. We don't have anything to sell. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Pardon? We bought those seeds from a main company called Fedco. And they are, they're online. They're on, online. Yeah. So. Okay. Thank you, Tim. Um, so. I have a question about the, the lettuce. I mean, you were saying you're eating it. Yeah, but if you want to preserve the Yeah, a Ziploc bag to preserve lettuce is fine, but what works even better is a cloth bag that you get wet, wring out, put the lettuce in it, and put that in. Plus, so you don't have to worry about plastic and all that problem. A cloth bag works beautifully, and you can buy them for a lot of money, or you can make them. Uh, you just get a heavy cotton bag, put a drawstring in the top, and then you get it wet, wring it out, put your lettuce in that, and it keeps it moist and fresh much longer than plastic will. So that's washed lettuce, and you put it in your bag. And, and refrigerate it. And refrigerate it. My sister did hers in um, tea towels like this that you actually wet and wring out, and then she'd put the lettuce leaves that were washed all lined up, and then she'd roll it up and... She'd actually put it in a bag like this and squeeze out all the air. And I'm telling you, she said she had it for weeks. Yeah. In three weeks. It's amazing. So With no, but you can't have any dirt on it. I mean, you can't have any mold. You can't have the, the bad parts on it because it's enclosed. You don't want it to be deteriorating. Okay, Yes. Yeah, we, we were talking about pressure canning it and just using the, get, um, the chart they give you in your pressure canner for how long to pressure. You never water bath them. You do not want to water bath a neutral pH food because if you do, you're going to have the risk for botulism. botulism. 
So all of your neutral pH, which is most of your vegetables, not tomatoes, but most of your vegetables need to be pressure cooked. That is, the temperature needs to be brought up much higher so there's no botulism in there because that can kill you quick. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so some of you may choose to freeze your vegetables, and those, like green beans, you would cut them up and blanch them. Have you heard of blanching vegetables? Usually that's about one minute. You just put them in, and it changes the texture on the outside of the green bean so that it's, uh, you can cook it quite quickly when you take it out of your bag, out of your Ziploc, and you just steam it for a short time. It's not like green beans take quite a bit of time compared to kale to make them tender. So that, that helps the, the process of cooking be much shorter. Um, we've, we freeze a lot of our berries. And I think the vacuum packing is a great idea because you get a lot of this uh, frozen condensation of the water from the berries around them otherwise. I think that's great. <laughs> I tried it, but it didn't. And if you're a big sucker, it works better. <laughs> it's kind of rigorous. I'm wondering if there's anything against the air. If you breathe out before you breathe in, you can certainly contaminate it. Yeah. The human mouth is dirtier than a dog's mouth. If you get a human bite, it will always get infected. A dog bite rarely does. Yeah, so I wouldn't be breathing into any sack. <laughs> yes. I have a question about jams and jellies. Yes. I make freezer jam. Yes. So you're, we use Pomona pectin, which is a low sugar, requires just, you can do low sugar or low sweeteners with Pomona pectin, which you can get online. Um, I have not tried canning just regular fruits with chia or, no, I haven't. But I, I don't think it's, I think that's great if you're doing it and it's working. Have you ever tried taking, taking frozen berries and just uh, letting, chopping up some dried pineapple in the bottom of your blender and putting your berries on top of them and letting them rehydrate the pineapple overnight and then you blend it in the morning? It makes a fresh, non-sweetened, well, it has the dried pineapple, but it's sweetened with the dried pineapple and it has incredible flavor. The because only it's really problem fresh. with that jam is it does not keep well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because you eat it up in about a day. <laughs> that's right. But the best raspberry jam you can ever eat, you take rings of dried pineapple, 
Uh, it's about uh, three rings for 16 ounces of berries. You break them up, throw them in the blender, pour the frozen raspberries or fresh over, it doesn't matter. Let it sit overnight to soften the pineapple, blend it, and I'm telling you, that stuff, oh, it's good. Ah, it's amazing. really good. No, no, they won't they spoil don't. overnight. They're frozen. No. They're frozen, so they just, I often take mine out and leave them in a bowl because sometimes it leaks a little bit. So, yeah, they're fine in the morning. You can use them. And you're more likely to enjoy them in the winter if they're not cold, really cold. And I like the idea of the sauce without cooking it because you you're dealing with the raw all. berries. That's yeah. really great. Do you dry the pineapple, or do you get that oh, somewhere? It. Is it, does it have a sweetener it. in it? Some does, usually? some doesn't. It's just to taste what I you want. Okay. No sweetener or low. Yeah. okay. All right. I just wanted to talk a little bit about storing vegetables, you know, like potatoes. If you're going to grow a garden, are you going to grow a garden? Okay, so white potatoes, they, you can extend their season, and you want to grow enough that you can eat them when you harvest them, you can have even baby potatoes, but when you harvest them all, which you need to do at some point, right, when the plants die back, you're going to harvest them and you want to keep them. So you want to make sure you're keeping them well in a good way. They like cool temperatures and they like um, high humidity white potatoes. Okay, there's different storage needs for different vegetables. So the sweet potatoes, they need um, a warm environment. In fact, they do great with just your room temperature in your home. And you're going to keep them in a drier environment. Okay? So they're not stored in the same place. Okay? It's, it's drier and warmer for the sweet potato. And it's the same for winter squash. Winter squash likes it drier and warmer. So that we keep ours in our house. Okay, you don't want to spend extra money trying to store your things. If you can use your home and put them in a box or put them in a ventilated bin and put them like near your kitchen, it depends how warm you keep your house. We have a wood stove, and there's areas of our house that are colder, and Lynn has a place that she... Lynn, come tell us about your, how you keep some things cold. <laughs> this is mortifying, but we have a, <laughs> we have a small house, um, thankfully, the center of it is large, but the, the other part is small. Anyway, we have a bedroom that's at the far end away from also our wood-burning heat. heat. And so it's cold. Yes. And so I just have little boxes in there, and all of my stored vegetables are in there. And it's amazing how tolerant vegetables can be because I have tomatoes and onions and garlics. They're all there, just off, all in there in my little, little boxes. And... I, it's, yeah, I, I keep, t I've kept tomatoes until now. We brought tomatoes to camp meeting to eat sandwiches with. <laughs> so I just found a place that was cool so they wouldn't ripen really, really fast. And put the bins all on top of each other, tried to choose the coolest place in our home. Yeah, I have tomatoes as well. Um, garlics and onions. So there's a third way. They like it cold. And they like it dry, on the drier side, not humid. Okay, so that's the onions and garlic. 
So there's three, those are three different ways of doing it, right? The white potatoes are cold and humid. The sweet potatoes and winter squash are warm and dry. And then the onions and garlic are what? They, can, they say they, they stay best at 32 degrees. That's cool. You know, they don't want to freeze them. But they like they can be in the refrigerator for seed garlic. We keep them in the refrigerator. Often there's too many things in the refrigerator that are off-gassing, and the paper of the garlic will go wetter. You know what I mean? They really need to be in a, a drier environment. Okay, any questions? Yes, that's a totally different process, yeah. I can give you a, a link to, I'm going to just go ahead and open up that. Were any of you um, learning about how to cure sweet potatoes? Do you know how to do that? You were here at the sweet potato one? Um, they need to be at 85 degrees for four days. And if you're a home gardener, um, just choose a bathroom, a small space that you can heat, because you don't want to be wasting electricity. You can't heat your whole house to 85 degrees. Nobody's going to want to be in there. So you're going to just do a small space, right, for 85 degrees for four days. And then take them out, and then you're going to store them the way we suggested, okay? Yeah. The sweet potatoes like it drier which we don't have our houses at high humidity. So you just keep it in your home. They keep well. The main thing for storing things is to get all the bad plants out before you store them. In other words, you're going to go through your white potatoes and take anything out that's blemished, and you can use those right away, right? Cut off the bad, make roasted potatoes. Roasted vegetables are the most amazing thing to eat, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. I mean, the heater is supposed to be 85. 85. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. Yes, we're going to drip the faucet in the bathroom to get the humidity that you need. Okay, just, just on dripping it for four days. So you, you don't want to use your main bathroom for that. Well, it needs to be a big enough bathroom that you can handle what you have to do. And, you, you know, it's okay. Friends will understand. <laughs> We're farmers, right? <laughs> you can give them some of them, <laughs> right? Um, I want to talk to you about carrots, right? Because they... In your bins? It would be better so they have some ventilation if you can get a vegetable bin that has ventilation. I think that once they're cured, though, you can put them in cardboard boxes. What do you mean curing? Curing means you're bringing the sugar out. It's raising the sugar level in the plant, and they keep longer, and they have better taste <coughs> if you put them at 85 degrees for so, four days. So it becomes sweeter? Yes. Yes, a lot sweeter. And they keep longer. Yeah, it needs humidity for the curing process, and I'd forgotten that. My sister here reminded me, you're just going to drip the water from the faucet in the bathroom that you're curing the sweet potatoes in. The whole time, you are turning the heater into one Just for that, and it's yeah, on the automatic set at 85 degrees. How about 
You don't have to cure them, but you can you keep them at a cool environment, 50 degrees. Okay, just yeah, it can they yeah. Yeah, in the dark. I put them in a box. I just leave them in there because you don't want them to be rooting. All organic plants will root, start rooting again. And I just go through my potatoes and I take out the wrinkly ones first to eat. I take off the the little sprouts to maintain their their ability to stay for a while. We've kept them in cellars that have worked well because they like high humidity, the white potatoes. And we put them in a sack. You know how people store vegetables in sacks? Yeah. yeah. We put them in a sack and just tie up the top so no animals will get in. They, they did really well. Yeah, but you want to go through them. They're harder to go through in a sack. If something's spoiling, if yeah. you don't have time to go through them, you're going to have spoilage. You, you need to go through your things regularly to make sure that you're taking out the ones that are needing to be used. Okay? Yeah, I was going to tell you about how to keep your carrots. Carrots, um, beets, and like, I, they like it also cold. And they like it, I'm trying to remember here. I was just going over these. I want to make sure I don't get it wrong. The carrots do not like to be in the same place with fruits. It changes their sweetness quickly. Yeah. So let's see. So it would be carrots. They, they like to be cool. I think they just have almost the same requirements as the garlic. They like to be at 32 degrees if you're going to keep them the longest time period. And they like it at very high humidity. They can be stored for seven to nine months. Pardon? You can put them in sand. Do you? Come tell us about that. Cold and humid. The potatoes the beets, and the, what was the last one I said? Carrots. Yeah, potatoes, beets, and carrots are the same. Do you need to wash it first? We don't wash anything until you're ready to eat it, basically. Sweet potatoes keep much better with the dirt on them. Okay? The dirt on them. Keep the dirt on them. And our white potatoes. Don't wash your vegetables until you're ready to eat them. Lynn, did you want to say anything more? Okay. Was that, did that cover most of it? Okay. What's the website we've been referring to? I will just give you the link if you want to. It's Share Winter Vegetable Project, University of Massachusetts. Share, S-A-R-E, sorry. S-A-R-E, Winter Vegetable Project. S-A-R-E, yeah. Winter Vegetable Project. Massachusetts. Now, let's close with prayer, okay? Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to share how we can preserve and share the crops that you've given to us. And we thank you. We pray that our hearts would be kept by you. 
that you would keep us in all circumstances, that we don't need actually a certain environment for us to thrive spiritually. We need you. And we praise you and thank you for giving us the power in Jesus Christ. And we choose him in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org. Dot audioverse.org.